0: Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for each person that's come. We ask that you guide and lead us as we look at your word and, and help us to see what you would have us to see from this psalm. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi <laughs> All right. Psalm 74. <laughs> psalm 74. <laughs> psalm 74. Mashiel of Asaph. O God, why have you cast us off forever? Why do your, does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the rod of your inheritance, which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein you, you have dwelt. Lift up your feet into the perpetual desolation, even all that the enemy has done wickedly in the sanctuary. Your enemies roar in the midst of your congregation. They set up their incense for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon thick trees, but now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. They have cast fire into your sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of your name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs, nor is there... No more any prophet, neither is there any among us, any that knows how long. O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blasphemy your name forever? Why withdraw you your hand, even your right hand, pluck it out of your bosom? O God, for God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth." You did divide the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the dragons in the waters. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You did cleave the foundation and flood. You dried up mighty rivers. The day is yours. The night is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Remember this, that your enemy has reproached, O Lord. And that the foolish people have blasphemy in your name. O oh, deliver not the soul of, of, your, tur- of your turtle dove unto to the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of your poor forever. Have respect unto the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. Let not the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and the needy praise your name. Arise, O oh God, plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. Forget not the voice of your enemies. The tumult of those that rise up against you increases continually. All right, we're going to look at this psalm. This is a song of Asaph. And this is one of two things it's considered. It's it's not that it's either a prophecy of the temple being destroyed, or it could be that Asaph is the tribal name of Asaph, who is the singers and that it's written after the actual destruction of the temple. Either way, it it doesn't really matter. It's either, you could go either way, because Asaph is the name of a family (laughs) as well, not just the name of the person. And the person lived in David's time. He was put in charge of the singers, and his family were the singers in the temple. So it's either a prophet, very accurate prophecy, which is not a problem, because prophecies happen all the time in the scriptures that are very accurate, Or it's a lamentation-type song after the destruction of the temple when the Chaldeans invade Israel. And the reports in the the scholars vary on that, on which way way it is. Either way, it doesn't matter. All right, so we're going to look at this. Oh, God, why have you cast us off forever? Why is your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Again, this comes to the judgment, the judgment of his people. And we see his judgment over and over and over in the scriptures. We see it even when Moses was leading them out. Uh, we did the Numbers class just recently when he sends this cloud of quail for them. And, and they're eating it with gluttony and, and, and everything. And God sends judgment and kills thousands of them because of their gluttony. We're going to see it when Miriam goes against Moses, she gets struck. We're going to see it when Korah comes and he rebels against Moses and he and his entire family are swallowed up into the earth. We see it all through the judges when the people start doing what is good in their own eyes. God sends judgment upon them and we're going to see this even all through their history. Okay, and so he's saying, why have you cast us off? And he's a little negative here forever. <laughs> he's kind of forgetting the promises of the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant. You know, this is something, though, that many of us will do all the time. When things are going bad, sometimes we'll gripe to God. God, why are, why are you abandoned us? Why have you abandoned me? We kind of forget the he's promised that he's not going to abandon us. He's promised he's never going to leave. He's promised that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. Of, according to his purpose. But oftentimes a Christian will say, God, you know, you've abandoned me. Everything is going against me. And this is very important. This is why we need to know our scriptures so that when we get that temptation, it's like, okay, God, I don't, you know, my answer, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but you have promised, okay? God, this looks pretty gloomy, but <laughs> I, you have promised that it's for my good, or for good. And so we want to keep that in mind. Here, they have forgotten They have forgotten that God's promises that Israel will never be abandoned, will not be destroyed, will have a king that rules forever. And so he's going, you're you're really making things bad for us. You know, you may think you're the only one. And this is why, this is Satan's attack on us frequently. You know, God, I'm the only one suffering this bad. And God's saying, no, you're not. Then we go to (laughs) Ecclesiastes. Man, I truly drew a blank there. Uh, But there's nothing new. Satan's attack on us is not new and it's not something that only we are going through. Now we may not know anybody else that goes through it, but you know most people don't go around griping about all the bad things that's happening to them. Now there are people that do. But there are a lot of people that you would never know that they've been going through something because they just keep their mouth shut and suffer. And maybe it's because they're just so focused on God and saying, "God, you're you're my deliverer, you're my you're my you're my fortress and they're so focused on God that they're not spreading around how bad life seems to be to them because they're not seeing how bad life is to them. They're, they're in that fortress and, the, and the, the storm is beating upon God and we're just ignoring it and then other people are letting you know everything's wrong in their life and they feel like and usually they're doing that because they feel like they're the only ones that's suffering in the way that they're suffering. And they're going to make sure everybody knows that I am suffering. And might just be the poeticness of some people because poetry gets into that whole suffering aspect as well. But here he's griping and saying, God, you've forsaken us. You have forsaken us. Then he goes, Remember your congregation which you have purchased of old, the rod of your inheritance which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein you have dwelt. Okay? remember the congregation that you have purchased think of all the times god has went out and purchased israel back starting all the way back from abraham god calls him and says come out of your people the very first part of the purchase come out from amongst your people to the land that i will show you and he comes out he purchased them when they went in when they came out of israel out of egypt 10 plagues upon Egypt, to destroy Egypt, Cover, you know, led them through the, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, fed them for, for the 40 years, and then all through, every time they sinned and, and needed to be judged in, in, in the days of the judges, and He would come back and He'd buy them back. Almost everybody has that story in their life where they've turned and walked away from God and He's had to buy them back. Very few people, even in the Bible, there's only two people in the Bible, or three counting Jesus, there's only two people not counting Jesus that nothing negative was said about, and that's Joseph David. and Daniel. Okay. Lots are said about David being mistreated. Okay, They're the only two that, that God does not say anything negative. Now, what did they do sin? Yes. Did they fall away? Apparently not, because it doesn't, show, doesn't talk about that. But everybody else in the Bible has something that they did wrong. Abraham wasn't totally obedient in many cases. He lied. He lied on two occasions about Sarah. Well, yes. technically he didn't lie because, you know, he just didn't give him the whole truth that she was his wife. You know, he just said she's my sister, which she was his half-sister, so he didn't totally lie, but he also didn't tell the truth. Well, he lied so it was, he wouldn't be But <laughs> well, he didn't want to get killed. He didn't get killed. You know Noah. Noah comes off the ark and immediately one of the first things he does is get drunk. Okay. Um, You got Lot. You got Lot who is made drunk twice so that his daughters can have sex with him and have children because he's hiding up in the mountains and they know he's never going to come down out of the mountains nor let them come down out of the mountains. Sure, I can believe that. Uh, You know, you got all these people in the Bible that have done bad things and God says. I'm still gonna use you, I'm still gonna care for you. God's grace in the scriptures is so abundant. He he's always dealt with us through grace. Didn't Job wasn't Job a good one too? Job you know, Job had a lot of complaints. Oh. Uh, he didn't he didn't totally rebel against God, but when you read his statements he was not he was uh, pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, little, little whiny. So we've got all of this going on. And he's saying, remember, remember these people that you have bought. Okay. And sometimes that's what we will say to God when it seems like everything's going against you. Oh, God, have you forgotten that you bought me? <laughs> you know, I'm yours. Have you forgotten? And it says, we're the rod of your inheritance. You know, this is kind of an interesting thing, the rod, the protection. The, the, the rod is a, a weapon in war. And is a defensive defensive uh, thing for the shepherds to take care of their sheep, and God says, "I am your protection." Okay, he's protecting us, and then He goes, and in case you don't remember, God, this is Mount Zion where you have dwelt. <laughs> You've let the temple be destroyed. You dwelt here, okay. And remember, Mount Zion is another name for Jerusalem, the the temple. Uh, so. He's saying, you know, you've kind of forgotten about us, you know, but I'm going to try to remind you. That is Mount Moriah, too. Mount Moriah as well. And it says, lift up your feet into perpetual desolation, even all that the enemy has done wickedly in your sanctuary, saying, God, get moving. (laughs) Lift up your feet, get moving, God. (laughs) He's being pretty bold. And yeah. This is a pretty bold uh, statement, and this is one of the reasons I tend to think that this is Asaph writing after the fall of the actual fall of Jerusalem, saying, "Hey God, uh, God we're we're suffering here, and we you, they've taken they've taken your mountain, they've taken your city, and uh, it says your enemies roar in the midst of your con- congregation; they have set up their incense for signs." The ensigns, we've talked about ensigns before, in the battlefield, even to this day, uh, different squads, divisions and everything have their ensigns, they raise up their, this is their flag, their banner. And even to this day, it's not quite as important in this day and age, and they don't raise them all the time. But in in this day, they they were raised up everywhere, and you gathered around your ensign. And when you went into battle, There was a person whose job was to keep that banner high so that if you got separated from your people, your group during the middle of the battle, you could look around and say, there's my group and you could head back to where they were. And then there would be people who were assigned that if the ensign, the the banner bearer was slain, immediately people would pick it back up and they would become the ensign bearer and raise it up. we are to gather in various places. We are told to gather around our ensign, Jesus Christ. When we get into that battle, we, we return back to him. And it says, you know, they've got their incense all over Jerusalem, God. What's what's going on here? It says, a man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon thick trees. So he's talking about there's somebody who's done who's been a good lumberjack type thing. He's, he's been good with the axe. But now they break down the carved work thereof at one with axes and hammers. Could he mean be- that beautiful woodwork that was done in the temple? Yes, God. he's talking about the temple being destroyed. The doors being knocked down, the, the wood being destroyed. Uh, and this is why, again, it's this is either an extremely accurate prophecy or after. Either way, it doesn't matter because Daniel was always accused of being ridden after the fact until the Dead Sea Scrolls proved that it was written before all these uh, places came up. And God is fully capable of of putting a prophecy out there, but this one sounds just, this one sounds too personal and it's nowhere in it does it say it's a prophecy. This really sounds like a, a complete lament of having watched everything be destroyed. There's been so many prophecies in the scriptures that are so accurate that people will tell you had to have been written afterwards and no, God, God is fully capable. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And that's why, again, I'm not going to be adamant on him. To me, I think this is after the fact, but it could very well be, as other other scholars have said, a very detailed, accurate (laughs) prophecy. They hammer, they break down the carved work with axes and hammers. And Jerusalem, when it was torn apart by the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, it was totally stripped down because they melted the gold onto the walls and it got into the cracks and they wanted just as the Romans did every bit of the gold from this temple and they took and broke every stone I apart it was a looting it was but a looting, looting yeah. but looting they would have called it uh, the spoil of war when and that's how a lot of the, the soldiers biggest part of their pay was they got paid a very small amount for being soldiers but after the battle they were able to take the any spoil. treasure that they wanted and it was considered the spoils of war so they would strip off any any that uh, was their bonus. it was the bonus so when they tore tore apart the temple here's a lot of gold that's got to come off these Rocks and they and they stripped it, all the rock down and, and broke it up. Uh, will a temple be built back exactly like it was with the, all the gold and silver and stones? There's no clear thing on that other than a third temple will be built. It can be, it could, it could be really anything because the original was a tabernacle, so they could get away with building a tabernacle just putting a tent up and saying this is this is the temple and start you know or the the place where we're worshiping God Uh, so we don't know for sure all we know is that a building is going some form of building will be built I it might even be prefabricated you know where they put it up really quick it might be a full building because we know how fast you can prefabricate and it wouldn't surprise me if the Jews had a prefabricated temple Ready to go as soon as they get permission to build. Who knows what exactly will happen? The building will last into the millennial kingdom because there will be worship and sacrifices going on in the millennial kingdom. And as I explained before at at various times, we think of only one type of sacrifice. There's five sacrifices, and they will, and two will be admitted because they're the ones for salvation that Jesus fulfilled and the other three are for fellowship and so there will be sacrifices through the millennial kingdom but they will only be three of the five uh sacrifices that are made so but here we've got him saying they're tearing it apart god they're 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 using axes on things and remember every piece of equipment in there was gold covered pretty much and so they're, they're tearing it apart. They have cast fire into your sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of your name to the ground. And he's, and he's either seeing or having experienced all the rocks being torn apart, all the, all the gold being melted off of, off of various things, using fire to, to melt it, uh, chiseling it off, melting it off. They're, they're pulling every bit of gold that they can. And it is really a very sad picture. And this temple was a beautiful temple. It was it was, one of the, was one of the marvels of the ancient world, the temple that Solomon built. And it shone with gold. And you could see it from a long ways away because the sun would shine off of it. And then when they rebuilt it in Nehemiah's day, or Ezra's day, because Nehemiah built the walls, the, men were, the older men were sad because they remembered the original and saw how how yeah. bad a copy it was. It still had the gold and everything, but it was so small that they were just in tears that it was not the magnificence. Like a reproduction that's not the original. It was like, yeah, it was a reproduction yeah. that wasn't the original and it wasn't even that good yeah, it was from what war. they said. And then Herod came along and really expanded it because, you know, we talked about Herod and he was a terrible man as, as far as a ruler. But he was an excellent engineering architect and built things that are still, still to this day that's you know, pretty much standing and a marvel at, at what they did. Uh, verse 8, They said in their hearts, Let us destroy them altogether, and they have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. And this was the destruction of them. They, they were not only going after the temple, they were carrying the Jews away and they wanted every remnant of their religion destroyed and this is one of the things that has been tried to happen to the Jews for so long that Satan is trying number one to kill them and he can't kill them because God won't let him kill all the Jews because they're needed to fulfill all the prophecies okay so he's always going to have a remnant so Satan has also tried to disperse them among so many people that they would lose their heritage and the Jews for because of God's protection will not lose their heritage no matter where they go they are Jews and this happened in the Babylonian time where they kept their Jewish Jewishness after the Roman Empire and the dispersal all through Europe they maintained their Jewish Jewishness and to this day we have Russian Jews, German Jews, uh, Jews, French Jews, Polish Jews. Orange. Now, they all, have, they all have little differences, but they're still Jews. They're still putting their faith in the word of God. They're, putting the, they're following the, the commandments, you know, especially the orthodox side of them. And they're all being drawn back to Israel. It's been amazing how they're being drawn back, almost like God is saying, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. We're getting close to the end days, and the Jews are more and more going back home. And in some cases, they're being forced back home because of things, you know, because of anti-Semitism that's going on. And they're so, well, you know, we can go to we can go to Israel, and Israel will take any Jew, you know, that's not a problem. They'll take any Jew that wants to come home. And all they got to do is prove their bloodline, and they, they've got an automatic acceptance. And so they this psalm here is talking about how they tried to destroy them how, how they're trying to destroy not only their city not only the people but also trying to destroy the religion the way they follow God and God has said no you're not gonna I'm not even gonna let you do that much <laughs> now I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna let you destroy my people you know as a people and I'm not gonna let you destroy their way of life And the Jews have always been very good about teaching their children to read, at least in Hebrew. And they've always had a very high literacy rate. Just as in the colonial days, the literacy rate in America was almost 100%. It wasn't a full full 100%. But we had the same reason that the Jews did. You needed to learn to read so that you could read the most important book that, were, that ever was written. <laughs> okay, and in America when the schools were run by the churches, <laughs> it was reading was important because you needed to learn to read the word of God. The Hebrew people, will send their kids to Hebrew schools so they will learn to read Hebrew. So they have virtual 100% literacy on their in their children because they want them to be able to read the scriptures and this is important and this is important for most Christians we you know, we want to teach our kids to read why so they can understand the Word of God we don't care much about all the other stuff that they could read but they need to be able to read and understand the Word of God and this is why literacy is so important because God gave us his his revelation through the word and if we don't understand the word we can't understand what God wants this is why Noah Webster wrote a dictionary. He goes, God gave us his, his, his instructions by words. We need to understand the words. All right, verse 9. We see not our signs. There is no more any prophet, neither is among us any that knows how long. So again, he's lamenting that the, the prophecies have, have ceased. And this actually did happen during the period of time between the book of Malachi and and the birth of Jesus. There was apparently no prophets. Now, I don't believe that there were no prophets, but nobody who wrote a book that everybody considered a, a book, to read. book that needed to be a part of the Bible. Uh, there were people that probably taught God's Word because there's always the remnant, so I will not say that they were absolutely 100% silent during that period because otherwise, in 400 years, you would have lost everything. Uh, but there was nobody who stood out. There was no Elijah, no no, uh, Isaiah, no Jeremiah, nobody that was standing up to the point of saying, you know, I am speaking completely for God. Of course, there was also no Israel during that period of time. And this is something we have to understand, and I don't know if I've ever taught this in our group, but a prophet is one who speaks with the authority of God. Okay. Now, sometimes that meant, Speaking to the future, but not every prophet, even in the scriptures, spoke to the future all the time. Many of them were just giving a warning from God to the people change your ways or else. Okay, and so when you're taught, and this is a good pastor teacher is usually could also be considered a prophet if he's really in touch with God and explaining it from God. And this is the way Jesus when you look at what they said about Jesus, no man taught like him. He taught with authority. Mm -hmm. Most of the rabbis would say, well, according to rabbi so-and-so and and rabbi so-and-so, this is what this verse meant. Jesus never, never apparently quoted any other rabbi. He just said, thus says the Lord. Okay. And he spoke. And we see that oftentimes with good teachers. They will say, this is what God's saying. And sometimes it'll come across as brand new. Sometimes it'll deepen any knowledge that you have. And that is when they are acting as a prophet. And so here, this is a statement, again, I think he's saying in his distress. Okay. I don't believe there's ever been a time when there hasn't been a prophet of God speaking God's word because otherwise you would lose everything. It's been said that every generation, that we're one generation away from not having Christianity because they've got to learn, every child has to learn from the previous generation what it means to be a Christian or at least learn how to read the Word and learn on their own. But we as adults need to be teaching our grandkids, our our children, our nieces, our nephews the Word of God because God doesn't have any grandchildren. They don't automatically become Christians just because they're born in a Christian, Christian home. They need to make a personal decision and make a decision that is theirs. And this is where the Jews have some problem in because they're always a Jew just because they were born a Jew. And Paul quite often said, you know, some of you aren't aren't true Jews. You're just because you're, you're not following the word. Okay, and he made the same distinction as Christians do. Yeah. Just because you were born into a Jewish family doesn't mean you're, you know, that you're going to be going, a, heaven, a heaven-bound Jew because you need to make a decision, have the circumcision of the heart, not just the, the flesh that says that you're a Jew. And so here, the, here the, this person is just so frustrated. He goes, hey, there's, no, there's nobody even teaching us anymore, and we're not seeing anything. And then verse 10. Oh God, how long shall our adversary reproach? Shall your enemy blaspheme your name forever? Again, just a lament. God, they seem to be winning. <laughs> they seem to be winning. We we would have seen this during the the time when Hitler was running, ruling. Okay, he was sending. Started out with Jews, but he sent Christians and everybody else. You know, anybody that would take a stand for God's word, he would send to the concentration camps and kill. You know, there's millions of Jews that were killed, but there's also many, many Christians that were killed and many, many gypsies that were killed. Anybody that didn't really agree with them would go to be killed. Basically, anybody who wasn't part of the German elite was subject to being killed. And this same thing that we're going through in our day and age where political correctness is, is affecting what a lot, of, a lot of people will say. In, in many churches, they won't talk about sin. They won't talk about hell. Because they're, it's not politically correct, it's not—it's not going to build a big church, and unfortunately, many of these big churches compromise God so much that they're probably not even Christian churches. Not all of them, because I know there's some that are some out there that are good, and there's some small churches that are compromising God. So, you know, it is so important for us to be able to stand up and say, "This is what God says," and be able to. Be ready to take the heat because it's going to be very, very soon that we as Christians can go to jail for speaking God's word and taking a stance. And you know, so we need to start preparing ourselves and our minds now for the time when all this is going to happen. Annie. All right. Verse 11. Why withdraw you your hand, even your right hand? Pluck it out of your bosom. Again, he's saying, God, uh, why are you? Why are you? standing around doing nothing why are you taking your hand away and then he says even your right hand and remember the right hand is the, the part this hand of approval he says you've just stuck your hand in your in, in at your at your at your bosom take it out and do something you know he's, he's going quit just laying around God this guy's pretty bold <laughs> well, hold more than me. yeah he's being pretty bold you know uh, on this. Verse 12, for God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. So he's saying again, he's coming back. God, you've you've been the one, you've been our, our ruler, you've been our leader, you you've delivered, you've been our salvation for a long time. And you know, and he's coming back to this, you know, God, you know, why are you lying around? You're you're supposed to be our deliverance. And again, I'm not gonna be too harsh on him. He's saying things that people normally wouldn't say, but We as Christians do this quite frequently when things are really going bad against us. And it's like, you know, we may not be quite so bold as saying, God, where are you? You know, uh, get off your butt and do something. But we may very clearly say, God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing anything? Which may not be quite as strong as what he's saying, but in reality, that is what we're saying. You know, God, why why are you just lounging around? You're supposed to be here (laughs) taking care of me. Verse 13. You did divide the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of dragons in the water. So he's talking now of some history. God, you you, 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 you parted the, the Red Sea. Then it talks about dragons. Now, one of the things that had been out about dragons is most of the people when they were read this, they, they would always say that this is fictional and, and, and everything. And I agree with most of the people nowadays that are looking into this. Dragons would have been called... Dinosaurs by us. Okay. Is, um, heads of the monsters, monsters. Monsters, yeah. Monsters is the other term they will yeah. use for this. Monsters, crocodiles. I don't deal. You know, it's definitely not a crocodile, which we'll get into on this. Okay. Definitely not a crocodile. Term dragons will sometimes be called monsters. Sometimes in the NIV, especially they put whales if it was talking about sea monsters or. They called them jackals, which I have no idea why they would call a jackal a, a monster, because a jackal does not meet the term of a monster in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, there's two different ones. There's two different ones here. But one of the things that have come out over the years is the stories of dragons are all over the world. Okay? And if you look at the description of dragons, and you watch the different pictures that they've drawn, they very much look like dinosaurs. Okay, Dinosaurs were created on... Sea dragon, Sea dinosaurs would have been created on day five with the sea animals. Land dinosaurs would have been created on day six with the rest of the land animals. They would have been taken on the ark with Noah because they would have still been alive by that time. And they would have had trouble. As, as people multiplied, Dragon uh, dinosaurs would have a lot of trouble living with people because the last thing you would want is a brontosaurus walking through your fields <laughs> destroying your food <laughs> so you would call the army in you would call the king in and say hey, we need a we need a champion here to kill this thing well, that or up chain bigger Does the Bible mention that a lot? I don't think. Dragons? A lot. Dragons are mentioned quite often. And we're going to get into this description of the Leviathan, and if we have time tonight, we may have to do this next week. But Job describes what sounds very much like dinosaurs. If you read his description of the behemoth, legs the size of trees, tail the size of a cedar, Uh, a head that stands, he goes, he's the number, the the chief of the creations. And a lot of people will try to say, well it's an elephant. Well if you ever look at the tail of an elephant, you are not going to describe the tail of an elephant as a cedar tree. Uh, So they'll go, okay, the next big animal we can think of is a hippopotamus. Well the hippopotamus has a little bigger tail than an elephant, but you still are not going to say that that tail is a cedar tree. But if you think about a Brontosaurus or many of the di- uh, dinosaurs, those tails you would say that looks like a tree sticking out there <laughs> out there the back side of them uh, But the problem is most commentators and most people don't want to say that they're dinosaurs because science says that dinosaurs died out millions of years ago so we get into this million year ago years ago garbage and God God shows us you know he created the world in six days the earth is approximately 6,000 years old Mm -hmm. so there's not millions of years for dinosaurs which means that God created dinosaurs that they still alive during during the flood and that they wandered around this earth for many years after the flood and in uh, Chinese records they have Records of having dinosaur keeper or uh, dragon keepers that trained dragons, okay. And you look at their records and their and their description of them, and many of them sound and look like dinosaurs. Didn't the English have the same thing too? I don't know that they had records, but they had lots of people who killed dragons, okay. Uh, so we get into this history of dragons and like I said, you know, if you had a big brontosaurus or a, or, or a triceratops wandering around your your village, you're going to say come, you know, king, uh, would you send some would you send a dragon hunter over here to get rid of Yeah, uh, you know, I'd like I'd like them to keep out of my fields. I don't want my houses destroyed anymore. And so it is very clear that this is not just Fiction. This is an animal that they're talking about, and and there's all kinds of pictures of dinosaurs, you know, done by primitive Indians and everything. And right here in Arizona, there's the the famous thing, and they're going, here they are hunting hunting a buffalo. Here they are hunting a, a elk. Uh, we don't know what they're hunting here because it looks like a brontosaurus, but they can't admit that it might be a brontosaurus. But it very clearly is a brontosaurus <laughs> with a long tail and a and a real long necked head, uh, and we see. The Indians all the time talking about thunderbirds, which very clearly, when you when you look at them on their pictures, look like uh, pterodactyls, mm-hmm. uh, but they can't be pterodactyls because pterodactyls died millions of years ago before men. men you know, but because of their presuppositions, they can't admit that. The dinosaurs have been, the dragons have been, and dinosaurs have been drawn all through these ages. We see them all through Asia and everything. We see these pictures put in, put into the buildings that are very clearly dinosaurs, but they can't be dinosaurs because man didn't know about dinosaurs, you know. And it's very, very important that we understand God created them. Now. I personally believe there are probably some dinosaurs around to this day, but because we're so noisy and everything, we're not going to see any of the, the, the water it. ones. And if they ever found one, I would say oh, we would never hear about it. Yeah. Because it would blow evolution right out of the water, and we would never hear about it because evolution has to be true to, to keep moving forward with what they want to do. Yeah, but, but the point of this is, God, you're stronger than any of those creatures. Verse 14, you break the heads of the Leviathan in pieces and gave, gave him his, to be meat for the people inhabiting the wilderness. Again, his power. And when we look at Leviathan, Leviathan is mentioned in the scriptures uh four places. Okay, One of them is in Job 3.8. And it basically it uses the word mourning there the, the, and the sadness. So we'll skip that one. We're going to look at Job 41. And we're going to get a picture of what Job, what God describes to, and it says in Job 41, can you draw out the Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord, which you let down? In other words, can you fish for him? And the answer is no. <laughs> can you put a hook in his nose and a boar in his jaw with a thorn? Will he make supplication unto you? Will he speak soft words unto you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as your servant? So, can you, can you tame him, basically? And this is kind of an interesting thing. It almost makes it sound like Leviathan could talk. Okay, when you look at this, it almost makes it sound like Leviathan spoke words. And when you look at any dragon lore, dragons spoke to people. Okay, so but it sounds, this one makes it sound like Leviathan could talk to us. Can you make him as a pet? Yeah, can you make him a pet? <laughs> yeah, can you play with him as, as with a bird? Can you bind him with, would you, will you bind him for your maidens? Would you, I mean, would you hand him over to the girls? I know, put him on the leash for the girls. Yeah. <laughs> shall, shall your companions, shall the companions make a banquet of him? In other words, can they eat him? Because this is, he's, and it's going to talk about, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to kind of, for, you know, uh, can you make a meal out of him? Now, if you could kill him, you could make a big meal out of him, but um, can, you, can you fill his skin with barbed hooks or his head with fish spears? In other words, even the, the harpoons did not pin his skin down. They're not asking can you. They're being
1: sarcastic. They're being sarcastic. You
0: can't do these things. Now, I don't know that it is true that you could not possibly do it, but in, but the average person is not going to put a harpoon into his skin. The one thing, he could also come after you. Yeah. So that's what it says in verse 8. Lay your hand upon him and remember the battle to do it no more. In other words, you touch him and you're going to lose limbs and you're going to remember your battle with him behold the hope in, of him is vain shall no one be be cast down even at the sight of him none is so fir- fierce that dare stir him up who then is able to stand before me and uh, let's go down uh, verse 14 who can open the doors of his face his teeth are terrible round about his scales are his pride shut up together as, as with a close seal so his scales would come down so tight that you that he was armored basically. One is so near nearby that no air can come between them. They are joined together, they stick together, they cannot be sundered. By his knees a light doth shine in his nose and his eyelids, in the morning out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. So this is a fire-breathing water creature. Out of his nostrils go up smoke as a seething pot or a cauldron. His breath kindles coral and the flame goes out of his mouth. His neck remains strong. His sorrow turns to joy. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. Okay, we're going to go down a little. smoke pours from his nostrils as they are boiling pots over a fire. Yeah, so he's fire breathing. Uh Verse 25, when he raises up himself, the mighty are afraid. The reason of breaking, they are purifying. The sword of him that lays at him cannot hold. The spear of the dart, nor the harbinger. So none of the weapons of war phase Leviathan. They hit him with a sword and it just glances off. They fire arrows at him and they just bounce off him. This is a pretty mighty creature. But yet he would still be angry that you were trying. Maybe if he even felt it. It was just bouncing off him. He probably didn't even notice. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned, are, are turned with him into to stubble. Darts, darts are counted as stubble. He laughs at the shaking of the spear. Sharp stones are under him. He spreads the sharp pointed things on, in, upon the mire. He makes the deep to boil like a pot. OK, and that's talking about yeah. when he moves, the water is, is moving. He makes the path to shine uh, upon the earth. There is none like unto him. This is the description of Leviathan. <laughs> okay, this is an animal that fears nothing. And the ancient mariners would talk about sea serpents. This is probably what they're talking about the Leviathan. We make so much noise nowadays that we're not going to be seeing any sea serpents, period, because the turbines and everything. But in the days of the sailing ship, he is king They would ran, run run into it. It. No, huh? it says he is king over all yep. that. Right. Psalm 104. I'm in the middle of this gender manager. 104 verse 26. My head is wrapping itself around all this. We'll start with verse 25. So the great and wide sea wherein there are things creeping in numeral, both small and great there go ships there there is that leviathan whom you have made to play therein God you made you made this mighty dinosaur this mighty creature to play in the sea Okay and then one last one Isaiah 27 Oh okay yeah But we're now going Isaiah Isaiah 27 verse 1, and this is talking about the end days. Verse 1, In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, as he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea, and it's talking about in that end times, God is going to basically discipline Leviathan and correct him. He's not. He's going to show him that he's not the strong, strong strongest creature in the and world. Says he's still here. Probably, as as I have said, I believe that I personally believe that they are still in existence. Messy. Okay. Well you've got you've got the Loch Ness monster, yeah, you've got that, yeah. you've got the La- Lake Champagne monster, you've got various deep water bodies of of water that have some kind of creatures that look and sound like dinosaurs or ple- that, plesiosaurs. Yeah, so nice. and it is quite possible because we know so little about our oceans and everything that there may still be sea serpents in the water but again because our ships make so much noise with sonar pinging and and motors running we probably would drive them away from right they, they would always go away from where we're at and I would not doubt that in some jungle far away that there might not be some dragon still alive or dinosaurs still alive because many of the Indians of the primitive tribes describe things that sound like dinosaurs living in the deepest darkest jungles that they won't go into but again as I said even if we ever found one I do not believe that the average person would hear about it I believe that it would have been hidden because if you find a living dinosaur then it would blow evolution right out of the water. It's bad enough that we have partially fossilized bones that have blood cells within them that are dinosaur bones that show that and there's no way they can be millions of years old. Okay. There's all of this stuff that goes on that hides all of this. And we want to we we look at this and say, God, what is it that you're trying to show us? And dinosaurs are out there in existence and God is working on teaching us. And this is again, do we push back and say this can't happen or God there's no way it can happen. No, God is showing us that He is He is true. And this is why we've got to understand we need to always understand that God is true and every person is is that doesn't agree with Him is is wrong. And the Christian church has oftentimes over the years pushed back against science. And it's good that we do at times and then there's times when we've tried to integrate science with the Word of God. And the Bible has always been correct. It's talked about the fact that the earth was a globe right from the very beginning. And the Catholic Church totally ignored the Bible and said the world was flat and all this other stuff and criticized science when they said it was was round. Uh, but the Bible has always talked about it being round and that God hung it on nothing. You know. So we know that the Bible has been right all along. Mm-hmm. You know, does the Bible talk about coming to the ends of the? earth? Yes, but so do we. You know, we talk about coming to the ends of the earth, even though we know it's round. You know, the sun, the sun going down, even though we know that it's the earth turning. We still use that romantic, you know, uh, figurative language. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to look and see what you'd have to say. Lord, we ask that you help us always to accept your word over anything that man teaches. And we just thank you and ask you to go with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.